Our sermon today is entitled, The Consolation for Anxiety. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Okay. So First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Are we there? Can you wave if you are there so that we are together? Okay, okay. I can see we are there. And I begin reading. <clears throat> but now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. And that is God's word for us today. Allow me to invite our very own Reverend Irene. Karibu sana mchungaji. I like the ululations and the clappings to invite you. They are just so glorious. Uh, we are your fans, Pastor Irene. We are your fans. <laughs> thank you. Why don't you believe and pray for her as, as she commences? Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to sit at your feet and to hear from your word. Thank you for in our weaknesses, your strength is perfected. And I thank you for Pastor Irene. May she be in your hand what this microphone is in mine to reverberate the oracles of God to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when worship team causes you to sing, I think there should be another program to get back your voice. Um, now, when Pastor Koti said, Pastor Irene, I'm kupiga makofi vizuri. So, let me invite myself. Can we invite Pastor Irene to come and... You know, you know there, is a, there is a reason why people, you know, created ululation and clapping and it kind of motivates someone. So unajua preacher anaweza kuwa anapanda pulpit amesahau sermon. And so when you clap, the sermon comes. And especially today that we are reading one verse. Did you understand it? Do you want us to read it again? Okay. We will do it together again. So First Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 6, it says... But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Uh, you know, I can't remember the last time I preached from one verse uh, because even when we go for Mashakaya and... Uh, we, we always look, you know, more scripture, more meat. Uh, and I remember there's a time we were doing the study of the book of Daniel. And Reverend Majid gave us a task to preach three chapters in one service. I know the preachers of that time remember this very well. But today we are going to look at just one verse, continuing from where we left last week. And uh, I want to believe that we understand, uh, the, for those who are not here, uh, I will just introduce briefly what we looked at. But uh, please, you can follow our sermons online. Uh, we have them online so that you can just follow from uh, where we left. You know, the psalmist in Psalms 94, 19 says this, that when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Now, different Bible translations have different words for anxiety. And we've been trying to understand what anxiety is, especially for a believer. Because sometimes we tend to think when we are anxious, we are faithless or our faith is not strong enough. But yes, the Bible addresses this topic uh, because 
there is a moment, there is a time in a believer's life when you will be anxious about something. And the different versions translate it this way. One calls it doubts. Another one is the cares of the heart. Multitude of thoughts. You know, when you have a lot of thoughts over an issue or burdened with worries, when you are burdened with worries or a heart, when your heart is afflicted, all those things put together put you at a place of anxiety. And the issue of anxiety and worry or doubt is not a foreign thing to believers and to Christians and to those who love the Lord. And we find ourselves in, states, uh, in such states in one way or another. And this, is what the, and this is why the Bible addresses it. We see in Matthew 6, 34, uh, Jesus addressing the topic of uh, do not worry. Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about what you will eat and all that. And he says, if I can take care of the birds of the air, who are you not, uh, not for me to take care of? And he invites us, he gives us an invitation to seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and then the rest shall be added unto us. And so as Reverend Kasimu last week uh, introduced the whole concept of anxiety, pressing on in the midst of anxiety, when he introduced that, um, we looked at the different causes of anxiety. And the question that he asked us is, what are your triggers? What are the things that trigger your anxiety? And we see clearly that Paul was anxious. He was anxious at, at some point concerning this little church in Thessalonica, a church that was just growing, a church that is still young in their faith, in their work with God, but yet they were facing persecution. The Christians were anxious because they were facing a hard time uh, being persecuted. And so today we look at uh, verse 6 of chapter 3. And as we look at that, I want us to just answer a few questions because the topic of the day says consolation of anxiety. And so there are three characters uh, that, uh, two characters that we see here. Uh, I know there are many, but just summarizing it, we see Paul and his, and his companions. And then we see the Christians in Thessalonica. And then there is you and me. And as we look at the consolation of, uh, 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 for anxiety, the question that I want us to keep answering is, what was Paul's consolation in his time of anxiety? What were the Christians' consolation in their time of anxiety? And what are the lessons we can draw from this? Things that can console us in our moments of anxiety. And as we look at that, I want us to look at three points. You know, Reverend Majid taught us a very systematic way of remembering points. So number one, I want us to look at the reunion. Number two, the report. And number three is the remembrance. Praise be to God. For those who are watching us and are from outside the country, I've just said that where we are, there is a scorching sun. (laughs) And so people might sleep. And I have to keep awaking them every moment. So please, we have very few minutes. Kindly stay with me as we look at this. Now, there is a mandate that we are given in Matthew twenty-eight sixteen. A very common verse to all of us. And the mandate says, go ye into the world and make disciples. Uh, in, 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then it comes to the promise that I will be with you to the end of the age, and this is Jesus Christ. And this is a concept that Paul grasped very, very, um, you know, it was very important for him, and he understood it very well. And for him, it was not just about church planting. It was not about just making disciples. It was not just about, you know, sharing and evangelizing and, uh, and people coming to Jesus and he lives and goes. But we see that he has a, a, a very close connection with, his, uh, with the churches that he planted. With an example of what we are looking at today. That even at a time when he had stepped away. Because he realized that he needed to do so because of the intensity of persecution that would have been there if he was still in Thessalonica. He decides that I'm going away, but I will keep in touch. Because that is what a father does. You do not leave your children when they are young and crawling and still trying to figure out. I know this might not make sense to some of us because some of us have been abandoned by our parents when we were young, abandoned by our relatives, caretakers when we, are, we were young. And so when you try to understand the concept of a father who is caring, a father who is always reaching out, a father who is always looking after his children, sometimes it is very difficult to understand. But Paul points, uh, paints an example of that as we look at, at this uh, scripture, that he desires to reunite. He desires to connect with his children, the church in Thessalonica. Fellowship is a very important thing for believers. It is a very important thing, and in Hebrews 10, 25, we are asked not to give up the spirit of fellowshipping together. But then circumstances come and we are separated from one another. Circumstances come and we are separated from our fellowships with one another. When you can't come for the small groups, when you can't come to church again, and we long for a reunion. And Paul longed for a reunion. And he says in verse 4, if we go back, indeed when we were with you, we kept warning you and we would that we would suffer persecution. And as you know, it has come to pass. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent uh, to, to, uh, to find out about, you, about your faith for fear that the tempter had somehow tempted you and caused our labor to be in vain. Our father is concerned. He's concerned that we were there digging and planting the seed, but we can't be there to, 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 to encourage them. And we are now away from them. But I desire to know what is happening there. I desire to know how you are keeping on with your faith in your very hard time. I desire to know, are you growing in the Lord? And so he says, I am sending someone to come to you. And we see he sends someone uh, in verse 5. But now here in verse 6 he says, but Timothy has just come, has just now come to us from you. It changes the mood immediately of the story. It changes the mood of the chapter immediately. Because from there back then, he was lamenting with them. He was worried. But then it's almost like when he was writing the letter, Timothy shows up. And he now in verse 6 he writes and he says, but Timothy has just now returned from you. And that lighten up the story. 
It lightens up and changes the attitude of the story from there on. It matters to Paul and causes him anxiety. The inability to visit them. He cannot control the situation around it. And in verse 4 and 5, he takes action by sending a Timothy to them. What a caring father he is. But then we see that there is consolation to his anxiety when there is a reunion between him and Paul. Uh, between him and Timothy. And in extension between him and the church in Thessalonica. Now, number one, consolation uh, for, for Paul in this reunion is that he had a son that he could send. He had a son that he could send to the church of Thessalonica. Imagine how bad it would have been for him if he was just lamenting from afar and he is anxious, but he has no way of getting the information. I don't know if you've been in a state where you desire to know what is happening. I know parents. Parents, you've been here before. Okay, for those especially you, you parent teenagers and, and some of us who have grown. You know, your daughter or your son goes away. You ex expect them back at home at a specific time. And they haven't come home. They haven't communicated. They haven't said anything. And immediately, I don't know why. Because we never think, oh, their phone is off. Uh, maybe when he finds a charger, he will call or she will call. It is always, maybe I'm a part accident. Or, you know, it is always, our mind triggers the most negative thing ever that can, ever, uh, that can, ha can happen. I remember my dad used to be very strict and he says, by six, I want to see you at home. And if you cannot make home by six, communicate and give me the details and tell me where you are and what time you'll be coming home. He says, this is my house, I set the rules. When you go to your house, you set your rules. Trust me now. Then it used to be very hard. But now I have children, I feel like I'm beginning to set the rules. Just within me. I'm already beginning. You know, they can't go anywhere right now. I'm still in charge of them. But I can, still feel, I can already feel, you know, I'm becoming my father's child. Because parents don't want to be in that state of anxiety. You want information about your spouse and you can't get it. He is not communicating and you can't tell where they are. And so you go into a panic mode. And so how bad would it have been for Paul if he, could not, if he didn't have Timothy to send? And so it is not just a son that he can send, but also he finds consolation in the son who went and came back. <laughs> Praise be to God. Have you ever sent someone somewhere and they don't come back? And they don't come back with information and they leave you hanging, you know? But he's, he has a son who he went and he came back. And this reminds me of the story of Noah. Noah is in, the, in this ark for 40 days, almost 40 days and 40 nights. And, and you know, he sends a raven. <laughs> and raven decides, you know, goes have fun and decides to go and never comes back. He's waiting for information. The raven is not showing up. But then he decided to send the dove. And the dove came back. And then they had to wait for seven days again. And send it out again. And now it came back with a leaf. And you know, a sign of hope. A sign of relief. A sign of life out there. 
Sometimes we take for granted little things. And even this, I want to speak to the young people who are in here. We think it is not okay to communicate. You know, it's my life. Why are you calling me all the time, trying to figure out where I am? You know, we think they're disturbing us too much, asking us, where are you? Or you are monitoring me too much. The level of anxiety that your parent is at at that moment, he desires to just know, what time are you coming home? Young people, please don't stone me after the service. We still love one another, okay? <laughs> it is just important to always communicate because you grow up without that habit. You get a job and you can't communicate to your bosses. I've seen several people sucked out of their workplace because they think they can walk out and walk in and not communicate to anyone where they are going to. You know, it's a habit that you cultivate and later you do not know how to do away with and you struggle in your life later. So it is okay to just pass information. It is okay to tell uh, when you are here or there. It was consoling to the people also that someone cared for them at their time of pain and bitterness. You know, you can imagine there is fire and war and people are being beaten and Christians are there. And Timothy gathers the, uh, the courage and goes all the way to Thessalonica to find out how are you doing. When someone does that to you in your moment of pain, in your moment of desperation, when you are there and you are low and you are down and somebody reaches out to you and says, Pastor Irene, how are you doing? How is your heart? How can we pray with you? And it is a responsibility that we have as Christians over one another, that we may be able to care for one another. And so Paul rejoices in this reunion because he gets the information. He has people he can rely on. Now, when corona, corona came early March, it took away many things from us. It took away the fellowships that we used to have over the cup of tea after the service. It took away our Bible study. We used to meet the way we would want and just laugh together and study the scriptures together. It took away visiting our homes. We could not come to you. It took away you coming to church and we were here, desiring for a reunion, desiring to see you again, desiring you who is watching us to see you come and be here with us today. It used to be very difficult preaching on to the empty seats here and facing the camera. But to have you here, what a joy. The reunion that we have, what a joy. And we thank God for this. And we pray that as we progress, the Lord will continue to heal us so that we may reunite more in our different groups and that we may stand together in our moments of tears when we are burials and weddings, in our fellowships and all that. It wasn't easy for us as pastors. We missed you. And we thank God for such a reunion. And I can just imagine the joy that Paul had when this happened. But even as we look at such a reunion between Paul, it reminds me of the love that we have in Jesus Christ. It mattered to God so much that we were, in no longer in no, in, uh, we were no longer in fellowship with him. It mattered to him so much that we were not close to him. And he desired to reunite us together with him. He desired that we may have a fellowship with him again. And we see him the same way as 
uh, Paul sends Timothy. We see G, uh, God sending Jesus, his only begotten son, to come and die for our sin, to come and die on the cross for our salvation. It concerns him so much that even Jesus, when he was going to heaven in John chapter 17, he prays for you and me. He prays for the disciples and he says, Lord, now I am gone. Watch over them because I have left them in the world where Satan will be tempting them. And it is the same concern that Paul had over the church in Thessalonica. He said, I am worried that as after we had labored, our labor will be in vain because the tempter might take away that which we planted in you. Jesus came that we may be reunited with the Father. Praise be to God. Jesus came that we may have a Savior. Praise be to God. It is a good reminder, a good reminder to you and me that even in this very difficult season, I do not know the space that you are in, but in this season, in the space that you are in, the Lord desires to constantly be in a fellowship with you. He constantly wants you to be at the feet, at his feet, that he may feed you, that he may encourage you, even in the most difficult moment. Then we look at the report. The second bit of that verse is, and has brought good news about your faith and love. As we rejoice in the reunion and reconnection, we meet with the messengers. We are busy trying to look into their eyes, to look into their faces and read what message is the messenger bringing to me today. You know, imagining a scenario where you've sent someone out to get information from you, for you. We care so much about the report. What did they say? How are they doing? At this point, the credibility of the reporter is very important because it informs the thoroughness in how they collect the data, in how they observe the situation, and how they will report it back to you. We know how it is so important in every aspect of our lives because the maliciousness of a reporter can cause chaos. And we have seen this before. Have you ever watched news and you hear a report and you almost feel like you want to go to war? You know, in fact, in some places, media is completely shut down because people understand the chaos that media can bring along. I remember the time when we had the attacker do it. There was a lot of, you know, on the internet, control of information of what is going out. I know we tried to communicate so much, but there was a lot that the government was doing to just control the information. Every report that comes to you, the credibility of the reporter is very important because it informs the message that they are going to bring. You know, the, the maliciousness of the reports that have been said over families, over friendships, have created enmity. In fact, if you are not to take up the task, please just don't do it. Be the raven. If you know you will bring the bad news, just go and go away. Do not come back. Don't come back if you know the report you are bringing will destroy a family. If you know the report you are bringing will cause nations to go to war. But if you know you are coming to say there is hope 
Wait for seven days and the water will cease. Then come. Come and say, you know, there is struggle, but there is a way out of it. There are people who are battling, but there is a way out of it. Then you'll be the dove and bring the good news. To an anxious Paul, it was consoling because he trusted Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1, he says, my true son in the faith. So he understood him very well. And so we can, we can believe the credibility of this information. That even at a time when the church was young, it is possible for the child that is young to stand strong and firm. And this is the report that Paul, uh, that Paul received. The good news about their faith and their love. It was consoling for Paul because the report was good. For a spiritual father, this was very important. That their work was not in vain. That their labor was not in vain. Verse 5, uh, in verse 5 we see, he says, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to you about, uh, I sent to find about your faith, for fear that the tempter had somehow tempted you and caused our labor to be in vain. Paul did not have to fear for the tempter and that their work was in vain. Anxiety, in many cases, pushes us to pray. I have seen people come, people who do not even know about God, but, even, uh, but uh, they have heard about him. And I have seen in movies here and there, you know, they come and they kneel down and they say, Hey, God, I know I've been away so much, but I need you. You know, they might not know how to pray the way you and I know how to pray. But even that is prayer. Because when you are in that moment where you are hard-pressed, you are pushed to pray. And we see in Philippians 4, 6, Paul again writes to the Philippi church and he tells them that, you know, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition, make known your request to God. And God will grant you peace that surpasses human understanding. The report is that they continue in faith. The report that comes is that they were continuing in, in faith. They continue to believe in this God that Paul and the team had communicated to them. They held on to the apostolic teaching. They were still running the race despite the circumstances and situation. And so also there were, there were good reports about their love. And King James translates this and says they are charity. <laughs> Praise be to God. Imagine there is corona. Imagine there is lack of resources. But these Christians are still loving one another. And there is still charity among them. Praise be to God. That is the report. That is the report that consoled Paul. That they did not desert one another. I know we were told, lock yourself in your doors. But even when you are there, we saw people step out and they came to church and they brought food. So that others may receive. Praise be to God. And we want to thank you all for such kind of generosity. And this is the same report that Paul receives. That you know they still loved one another. People just didn't lock themselves away and said my faith and my God and I am here taking care of it. But they were there standing firm in the faith and still caring for one another. 
they loved one another. They reached out to each other. They put their faith at work. Maybe a question I can ask you in this season of COVID. How are you and your family? How is your business doing? How have you reached out to someone to ask them how they are doing? Some lost their jobs. Some are struggling to find jobs in this season. Have you continued strong in the faith even in the circumstances? Some lost their loved ones. Have you continued strongly in the faith? Some are sick. And some were sick even in the season. Did you continue strong in the Lord? It is just an encouragement to you, dear brothers and sisters, and say, don't throw in the towel. Hold on to this faith. Keep on running the race. Let us have a good report when we hear of you. Because Christ has a good report for you. It has not been easy for parents. It has not been easy having each other at home and wondering what to do with each other. We thank God for those families who were able to figure it out earlier. But I know there were parents who really wanted to take their parents, you know, their children to, because they did not know how to hang around your teenager, how to hang around your, 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 your you know, your child in this season. And it became difficult. Parenting in this season became difficult. Relationship between children and their parents. Children are feeling our parents do not understand us. But then did we call on to Jesus? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus because he has a good report for you and me. And the last point we are looking at is the remembrance. Now, I will do some tests here. Uh, don't worry, the people online might not hear you, but we will hear you. Now, as we live our lives, we strive to be important to people now and later. When we have gone, I would love to you to remember me for the impact I have had in your life and how God used me. It matters to children that you may begin to figure out your life right now and to know what kind of legacy you would want to leave. To the young people and to everyone in here and to those watching us live on our social media platform. You know, building a legacy is not easy because people tend to remember the negative things about us. But I don't know what you remember when I mention the name Wangare Madai. You can just shout it. Oh, by the way, this is the test. So you are safe even if you say something else. <laughs> Wangare Madai? Trees, okay. What do you remember when I mention Nelson Mandela? Freedom. What do you remember when I mention Martin Luther? Wachungaji mutusaidie. And historians in here. Eh? Reformation. What do you remember when I mentioned Leonardo da Vinci? 
this said? Huh? Pastor Koti said. Inventor. Someone else is saying something. Just shout it. Art. Okay. We remember the painting. Mona Lisa painting. The famous Mona Lisa painting. What do you remember when I mentioned Judas Iscariot? <laughs> what about Jesus? The cross. Amen. Amen. What would you remember if I mentioned Irene? Commitment. Thank you. Thank you. I, I really wanted to hear what you would say. Raphael, what do you remember? He can't remember anything. I still have a long life to leave a legacy for, for Raphael to remember. May the Lord grant me that. We see here clearly that it was not a case of out of mind, out of sight. They had pleasant memories. In fact, the verse says, he has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Praise be to God. You know, there are people who are like, thank you, Jesus. Good readings. <laughs> May the Lord help us. May the Lord help us that the relationships we will encounter around our lives, we will find an impact. Either from us to them or them to us. And so we see clearly here that they had pleasant memories. That is why they kept the teaching that it kept on building up their faith. Number two, they longed for fellowship again. They longed to see one, one another again. And the longing to see each other could be here on earth or in heaven. You know why? They were facing persecution. And they knew, if we get to see Paul here on earth, praise be to God. But if we don't get to see him, we will meet him. The assurance of such memory. How sure are we of you, of me, that even when we part, we will re reunite later. And that is informed by the kind of life that you and me will live here. Because if we live lives that are pleasing to God, if we live lives that are committed to the Son of God, giving our lives to Him and our lives of surrender, then we have an assurance that we will meet again. Today, as the service began, we celebrated the, uh, the Lord's table. And Christ instructed us that, you know, do this as often as you can in remembrance of me. That is why when we remember Jesus, we remember the cross. Why do we need to remember? Pleasant memories inspire us. They encourage us. They encourage the Christians in Thessalonica at a time when they were going through a difficult time. They remembered their fellowships and they were encouraged. The impact that you have when you are with someone should inspire them when you are not with them. Can I repeat that again? The impact that you have on someone when you are with them should inspire them when you are not with them. It should encourage them. It should make them smile. You know, you think about that person and how they have encouraged you and you smile. 
even when they are facing difficult times. So memories transform us. The memories of Christ on the cross, they transform us to be better people. Through every situation, we ought to remember something that will give us the strength to keep going. The Israelites in the desert, very funny. You know, they were there struggling and moving from one place to another. But in their murmuring and complaining, they forgot the 400 years of slavery. And you know what they remembered? The cucumbers and the garlic. And the, you know, in Numbers chapter 11, verse 15. It says, we remember the fish which we used to eat for free in Egypt. We remember the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and onions and garlic. <laughs> let them remember. Let them forget the pain and remember something that they can pick. Even if it feels useless to you, it matters to them in that moment. It was consoling for Paul because he became aware that indeed they were united in the spirit. What memories of your childhood, adulthood dominates you? What if they are not pleasant? <laughs> what if you do not want to remember them because of what you went through or what you are going through? What if they are hurting? As we remember Christ today, we remember his work on the cross. We remember the work of deliverance and salvation and restoration of life. And I want to invite us to just commit to those memories that we may commit those memories unto the Lord and ask him for total healing and total deliverance. We cannot run away from reality that there are people who have carried pain from one season over another. The memories of bitterness, the memories of anguish, and they have become part of you. They are not part of you. Praise be to God. Let us release them to Jesus as we Ask him to restore us and to deliver us. Do not live in pain. That is not the life that the Lord desires of you. I do not know how painful that situation would have been for you. But do not live in pain. And we want to pray with you. That the Lord may minister to your needs. And so in conclusion, as I invite the worship team here. Let me just ask each and every one of us to stand. And as we look at this verse, the Lord desires that we may reunite with him. And I want you to just reflect on your life. And I want us to go to the cross of Jesus. God has given us each other. Therefore, let us take advantage of the fellowship that we have around us, around our small group, around the church, around our families. Let us take time not fighting, but encouraging one another. You find we are killing each other at home instead of being there for the season that the Lord has given us to love one another and to encourage one another. And if it is not well with you, if you feel the fellowships around you are not encouraging you at all, I just want to call unto you, even those who are watching us from home, to just stand and commit them to the Lord. And tell the Lord, I desire better in my family. I desire better in my life. I desire better at my workplace. I desire better at my business. We have gone through the different rough patches in our lives. But we are here today 
And God has a report for you. He has a report that you stand firm in your faith and in your love. For him and for others. As we remember each other and find encouragement, let us also come to the Lord with those memories that causes anxiety. Those memories, I don't know what your trigger is, that we may find consolation from the Lord. Let us ask him to restore us that we may indeed long for true fellowship with the Lord. And so just speak to him. If you haven't met him, he desires to reunite with you and have fellowship with you. If you are wondering what report the Lord has of you, ask him, commit your memories to him. That he may attend to you. Because at the end of it all, we want to hear that you are doing well in your faith and in your love. Lord, we come to you. Would you hear those prayers that are being made out to you, Lord? Would you minister to a heart that is calling on you right now? And if there is anyone in here who has not given their lives to Christ, the Lord desires to have a relationship with you. It is for that reason that he came, that he may, you may have a relationship with him. And if you are in here and you have not given your life to him, you can just raise your hand. And for those who are watching us, if you have not, you can just raise your hand unto the Lord and commit to him. And we will commit you to the Lord. If there is an issue that you want the Lord to attend to, just speak to him. You are at the feet of Jesus at the cross. I want to pray with those who have not given their lives to Christ. If they are watching or if they are in here, you can just say, Lord Jesus. I invite you into my life. I ask that you may forgive me my sins. Would you wash away my sins? Would you write my name in the book of life? In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for the gift of eternal life upon us, Lord. We receive you in Jesus' name. Let me also pray for those who have burdens in their hearts and they just want to commit them to the Lord. If you can just lift up your hand, we can just go before the Lord. Those who have burdens in your heart, just lift them up to the Lord. You desire healing, the Lord wants to heal you. That you may get a different report from him. Lord, we speak your healing in the name of Jesus Christ. You are able to heal, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we speak your healing to anyone in here who is feeling unwell. To those who are watching us and they are feeling unwell. Let your healing flow. Thank you for those who are here, Lord, and have lifted their hearts. You know their burdens, Jehovah, King of glory. We lift them up to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray, would you take care of our cares? Take care of our anxiety, Lord. Take care of our issues, Jehovah God. Take care of our burdens, Lord. We bring them to the cross of Jesus. And you say, Jehovah God, that you will console us. We receive your consolation today, Jehovah. Because you are an ever-present God. Present in our circumstances. Thank you, Jesus.
Let your spirit minister to your people. Let your spirit minister to those hands that are lifted up to you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we come to you. We do not know what are the triggers of anxiety. We know some of them. But, Lord, we want to just commit them to you. Because we desire, Lord, you say that we should come to you with thanksgiving in our hearts. We desire your peace, Lord. We desire your consolation, Lord. We desire your presence in our lives. Would you just attend to us, Lord, today? In Jesus' name we pray. Can we celebrate the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings? Amen, amen, amen. And as we stand like that, I just want us to raise our hands for the benediction. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things to be glory forever. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in one accord with your family, with your colleagues, with everyone out there as you go out and as you come in. May the Lord just encourage you and grant you to live in such harmony with everyone in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And the blessing and the peace of the Lord be with you now and forevermore. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. 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 Can we celebrate our God?